Stampod Productions. Hello, welcome. I'm Sani Rajabajla and you're listening to On Your Bike. Today, we're reflecting on the retirement of one of the greats of cycling. Annemiek van Vleuten has called time on a career that's seen her win virtually everything. How has she been so successful? What next for the peloton? And why her own success has forced a fundamental shift in the sport itself. All that and more coming up on On Your Bike. It's Sunday, the 10th of September, 2023. Anna Mick van Vleuten is approaching the line at the Netherlands Simak Ladies Tour. The winners went through a few minutes earlier and she's let the peloton get out of sight too. Quite an unprecedented situation for the 40-year-old Dutchwoman. But it's a final bow and she's waving to well-wishers. She's been doing that throughout this final stage at Arnhem. And as she cruises through those final 100 metres with a packed crowd behind the barriers applauding her from both sides of the road, it's a moment to reflect on an illustrious career. Both hands aloft, Annemiek van Vleuten wheels over the line. It's been a hell of a journey, and this final ride rounds off 16 years of success in the saddle. On your bike co-presenter, Katie Madrick, you've written quite an evocative article, actually, on uh, Annemiek van Vleuten on rightbikerepeat.com. And when I uh, voice-typed you my message to say, let's make an episode on her, my phone auto-corrected her to a maniac van Vleuten, which, by the sounds of things, kind of sums her up. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Sunny. That's pr- pretty much sums up the woman herself. Um, she's an uncompromising character, both on and off the bike, but it was on the bike where she pushed the limits of cycling and of the body and of expectation um, beyond all reason. And it's why she's become such a legend of the sport, really. And yeah, so it did make me laugh, um, that that kind of quite prescient uh, autocorrect on the, on the part of your phone. That was pretty good. There you go. We've taken AI learning to a whole new level there. But let, let's wheel back to the start of her career. Um, she came into this sport what I would say on the face of it quite relatively late although I suppose that's not uncommon really in women's cycling no it's not some women do start their careers a bit later um mainly because of means just the situation as it is or has been in the past we're certainly improving and women's development teams are appearing um all the more regularly and the sport is better for it and will be looking in a lot better shape for it in a few years' time. But yes, um, when Annemiek came to the sport, it, it was quite common for women to be coming to the sport a little bit later. And for her, she was, what, 25, wasn't she? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so mid-20s. I mean, it's, it sounds quite quite far on in somebody's life to begin a new sport. Um, she actually had a football injury, which is what led her to change her course and change the path of her career and become a cyclist. Um, but yeah, so it's it's sort of reminiscent of some of the riders... On, on both the men's and women's side who switch sports actually so you've got obviously the likes of Primoz Roglic switching from ski jumping famously we've got rowers um, a lot of speed skaters actually change their, their path and come to cycling so that, that was quite a, a similar situation for Annemiek. And the rest they say is history and all that um, but after crossing that line for the final time in Arnhem um, on the coverage she carried on following her obviously and she went over to a woman just on her left beyond the barrier and it was a mum Ria um, and she was supporting um, some very precious jewellery, some earrings. Uh, and it turns out they were from her dad because her dad actually missed her entire career. He passed away in 2008, which was just when she started um, 
cycling and being successful in it and he'd given her these earrings so i mean that that's something else she's had to carry along with her for her entire career and maybe an added level of determination to her yeah quite possibly it's quite poignant when you think about it that she took that kind of that change that career path change at that specific time and yeah i'm sure he'd be very proud looking on um at what she's achieved it's it's yeah i think sometimes you do have that added level of determination um and yeah it's a lovely moment yeah and um when i went on wikipedia actually the the bit listing her achievements is actually really short because it redirects you to its own wiki page um so we're talking kind of michael schumacher lewis hamilton serena williams roger federer michael jordan the list goes on those sorts of names isn't it it is yeah that is exactly what we're talking about here obviously there's that that term, that sporting term, goat, greatest of all time, um, which people tedious, argue over. Tedious term, Katie. I, I hate <laughs> that term, you know. It's, it, well, yes, it's, it, there's many reasons to like or dislike it. But it's, if you're even mentioned in the same sentence as that term, it, you know that you're doing something right in your career. And certainly on the road, she has been called that by certain people in certain quarters. All right. Well, well let's stick to the road, but a different sport, because I grew up hating Michael Schumacher as a Formula One fan. This was mostly because of um, him crashing into Damon Hill in 94. Pretty dastardly sort of champion. Um, And maybe Lewis Hamilton, I mean, although, you know, as a a Brit, we all love him, you know, being so successful kind of made the sport boring for a bit as well. We've seen that a little bit with Max Verstappen now. I mean, um, is is the same kind of applied to her as well? Yeah, it did. Um, And I think that's probably part of the... I, I, not problem exactly, but it was certainly a challenge that women's cycling faced. They they faced her as a challenge, and the the fandom faced her as a challenge too, because they had to watch her winning race in race out, and and kind of accept it as an inevitability. She was inevitable. If she was in a race, she was going to win. Um, obviously, there were there were very notable exceptions. Um, however it did become a case for, for some fans of sort of anyone but Anamik. You know, you'd be cheering against whoever. Um, but I think that is always a symptom of being so great, um, so dominant, and that's testament to the level that we're talking here. I am inevitable. Sounds like something out of, um, I don't know, one of those super villains, maybe like the Borg from Star <laughs> Trek, you know, resistance is futile. But anyway, let, let's get into this. Why has she been so good? Because she is willing to put herself through more pain than everyone else. That's the simple fact of it. Um, and, and that's not to the detriment of other riders. It's not um, taking anything away from them. She came to the sport quite late and was already an extremely fit individual. She had the endurance levels that you need to to then step up to a higher level. So she put herself through the same sort of training volume as as the men's pros at the time, which was, which was to be fair, a lot more than the women. She would train with the men. She trained at altitude um, an incredible amount. Every opportunity that was available to her. And she put herself through a great deal of suffering. She put herself through more training kilometres, like 32,000 kilometres she recorded in 2020, 2019, I think, um, which is it's an insane amount. It's really a heavy, a heavy training load. And it just meant that she was just better than everyone else because not only did she have the physiological capabilities and the talent and the determination, she also was going out there and doing the work, putting in the work. Um, and 
Elisa Longaborghini called her an alien once, and I think that's partly because of just what she was willing to to cope with. Um, there was no limits, I don't think, when it came to Annemiek van Vleuten. Yeah, well, well, um, you're only fulfilling more of the Borg reference here if she's been called an alien as well. Uh, but let's look at her really defining moments. I mean, I'm sure there's loads, but one that kind of really sticks out, the World Championships in Wollongong in uh, 2022. Tell us a story there. So the reason why this was such an exciting and unprecedented victory for Annemiek really is because she had to do it from a position of weakness by her own standards. So earlier in the week, they had the Team Time Trial Relay, which is a newish event. I think it came in in 2019. Um, So it's it's relatively new. And some of the nations take it a little more seriously than others um but the netherlands are one team who always feel a really strong team the dutch women are ready and this is some team ellen van dyke the hour record holder annemiek van vleuten the olympic champion ryan marcus all these riders have won medals in this discipline before so for those who aren't sure what it is the team time trial relay is quite a mouthful is three men three women Um, from various age groups from each nation um, and they go off in a relay so the three women will do a leg and then the three men will do the same leg and obviously it's combined time whichever team is the fastest is the winner simple as that Um, so in Wollongong it was early in the week with the road races coming up at the weekend we had the team time trial the Dutch women set off. Of work to do. The Dutch men, unfortunately, with the loss of Molima, have given them 40 seconds of a deficit to make up. Surely that's too much. Yeah, I'd say it's too much. Anthony, I think... Oh, 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 oh no! Annemiek van Vloen crashed almost immediately in one of the most bizarre crashes I've ever seen. She literally rolled down the ramp and kind of just crashed it was really really strange just not going her way i don't know what happened there but she just completely lost it and at the moment she just can't get up that's a massive crash of annemiek van vleuten so much power would have been going through the pedals she certainly looks like she's in a little bit of shock at the moment what a disappointment for annemiek van vleuten Um, and in doing so she fractured her elbow (laughs) so seemingly innocuous crash in an relatively you know as was it's not a very important race in the grand scheme of things it's fun it's it's good it's um it's a great thing to have there but obviously she wouldn't have wanted to hurt herself in that way it's it seemed i don't know it just seemed needless let's hope Annemiek van vluten is okay to line up for the women's race on saturday she was one of the big favorites and now she has to deal with all of these injuries that was a huge crash of Annemiek van Vleuten. There was doubt over whether she'd even compete at the road race. Um, and when she took to the line, everyone was a bit surprised and worried that she was putting her body under undue pressure. But this is Annemiek. We, we're expecting her to do those things, to, you know, ignore the pain, to put herself through it anyway. Effectively, she rode for Mariana Voss that day. Um Marianne Voss, the other greatest of all time, um, of the women's peloton, another Dutch legend. Uh, and it did seem to be going quite well for Marianne Voss, and Annemiek did as good as her word, and she rode for Marianne Voss. Um, and then 
the unthinkable happened and she got an opportunity right at the end of the race to attack. Lotta Kopecky is in with a huge chance. And Annemiek van Vleuten attacks on the right-hand side. Van Vleuten goes clear and everybody looks. Annemiek van Vleuten goes clear for the Netherlands. She couldn't stand up on her bike, which is not her style. If you've seen Annemiek on a bike, you've seen her kind of standing up, throwing it from side to side. Um, she sort of almost wrestles her machine. It's it's quite something to 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 behold. She couldn't do any of that, so her her natural style was completely um, hampered. And um, and yet, um, with one kilometre to go, she attacked. She she got a march on the rest. She stormed through. Lewton on the right hand side. Is it going to be Rainbow Vance? Kopecky sprinting for all she is worth. On the line, it's going to be incredible. Annemie van Vleuten somehow wins a world title. It was a stunning victory and nobody expected her to win like that. And when I was saying earlier about it was sort of anyone, anyone but Annemiek, on that day, I think it was, it was just such a beautiful moment for women's cycling because everyone who'd been cheering against her but also loving what she brought to the sport, was able to finally kind of open up and just yell our heads off because she'd done something so brilliant um, under such difficult circumstances. And it just truly defined her as a competitor and was also a thrilling race. So it, it was everything that we wanted. Absolutely incredible. Annemiek van Vleuten having suffered in pain throughout the entire race, been dropped on numerous occasions, jumps away with 600 metres to go and time trials to the win. Absolutely unbelievable. She has ticked all the boxes this year. Has any rider in one season won at the three Grand Tours and taken home a World Championship? Yeah, so suplesse, I think, is the word I learned from your uh, long read on Van Vloyt and that, that style in the bike. So she, so she wasn't the, the best-looking rider as far as how she pedalled, but in the end, took the glory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she was... Uh, it was just a force to be reckoned with, a force of nature. You know, you see these beautiful languid styles of, of pure climbers um, and they kind of seem to move with the bike and that's the suplesse that I'm talking about, that kind of poetry in motion. Animate wasn't poetry in motion. She was just smashing poetry in the face, essentially. <laughs> I can't think of any better way to put that. <laughs> yeah, it was a hell. <laughs> It was, uh, I could not go out of the saddle, so I had to do everything seated and, and my legs were exploding on the climb. And yeah, I got, yeah, normally I really like to go out of the saddle and attacking and, and I had so different plan. I want to attack on Mount Kira when I was, before I broke my elbow, the race went completely different. We had only Marianne as the leader and I just was the domestique today with a broken elbow and now I'm world champion. Coming up, how have Annemiek van Vleuten's rivals shaped up? And she's changed women's cycling, but is it for the better? In the Shawshank Redemption, it's fair to say the wrongly convicted Andy Dufresne really puts himself through it to escape from prison. Andy crawled to freedom through 500 yards of smelling foulness I can't even imagine. Or maybe I just don't want to. Five hundred yards. That's the length of five football fields. 
just shy of half a mile. Katie, Annemiek van Vleuten seems like the sort of person who would have had absolutely no problem putting herself through such torture. No, definitely not. No, she loved a bit of pain. <laughs> it's just. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about crawling through all that. All that, you know, crawling through a giant toilet, essentially. I don't know the sewer. I don't know if she would have coped with that. Maybe not. Maybe maybe riding a bike's a little bit less torturous than that. But yes, she does. She did. Um, not. She didn't shy away from from hard things. In fact, she embraced hard things, which is what my article kind of centered on, really. Which is how she improved herself so much and. And kept going so for so long as well um, was that willingness to, to kind of lean into that kind of torturous um, aspect of, of the sport and it is an unforgiving sport and some comparisons with Eddie Merckx would that would that be a fair one as well yeah he was known as the cannibal because he would just jump on anything that was available he, he wouldn't give anything away he won any opportunity available opportunity essentially but he also did so solo without any qualms um and you know Annemiek van Fluten's famous for her 100 kilometer breakaway just over in fact I think at Harrogate um in the world championships in 2019 imagine riding on your own for 100 kilometers especially in that weather <laughs> yeah I mean I mean Harrogate's a lovely place but yeah you, you're gonna get bored after a while and you, you pass the tea room and, and then you know what you're gonna do you've got the scenery I guess um but anyway look we get that she puts herself through the pain you know she's an alien um she's managed to become world champion despite you know having a broken arm broken elbow but what is that attitude this going through the pain all this training what's it done to cycling especially in the women's game I suppose there's two ways of looking at it really you you can look at it as um it was not it was a question asked posed if you like to the rest of the women's peloton what are you going to do about it how are you going to answer this question are you going to train as hard as me well probably not because it probably wouldn't actually have been healthy I think Danny Rowe said on um on the GCN breakaway uh, last year's Tour de France I think um that other the other women would would have put themselves in some bother, some serious bother, if they tried to replicate what Annemiek was doing. So they had to find different ways around it. They had to try tactical things, strategy, um, lo- you know, try beating her, her own game, going longer, going be or being a bit more wily or catching her unawares. But she had an answer to nearly everything. So I think from one point of view, you could say that it forced the women's peloton to adapt um, and to try and become more um more strategically engaged potentially which occasionally worked and often didn't um because it was still it was still anemic and she was she still had the answers to most questions um hopefully it didn't there was no negative connotation so there's no you know people looking at her going well maybe i should ride on with a broken elbow that's that isn't what she would want i don't think anyone to think i think that she defined her own um you know benchmark for what she could cope with and tolerate and I don't think that she would suggest that anyone was inspired by by that specifically but I think that she would hope that other people would push themselves to be the best version of themselves they could be. I mean there are Katie there are stories you know from from yesteryear especially in 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 the men's you know cycle racing history Fiorenzo Magni uh once bit down on a on a cycling inner tube tied to his handlebars to get through a race Fausto Coppi at the Giro d'Italia uh, in 1956 I think it was 
carrying on with a broken collarbone. So I, I guess there's there's a precedent there, but but I suppose the question is, um, did she go too far? In terms of riding to her own limits, I think that the World Championships example was probably not quite as bad as the example you gave there, because she did consult with doctors. Um, she didn't just kind of get up off, off the road and kind of carry on injured. Um, plus, I think at the time she kind of thought she might be retiring at the end of that season. So there's no way she's going to go out without one last chance at the World Championships. As for the rest of her career, did she need to go that far in terms of her training regime and, and the amount of pressure she's putting on her body? No, um, because arguably she was the best rider anyway. Uh, so she probably would have won the races she'd won potentially. However, she had a great deal of competition, obviously. Maybe not as fierce as it was in in recent seasons, especially this last season. Um, did she do it anyway? Yes, because as I sort of said before or suggested, she wanted to be the best version of herself she could. Um, and if that included pushing herself beyond re- what, what other people would see as reasonable limits, then she would go and do it anyway. And Katie, across women's sport, we are rightfully seeing you know recognition, investment coming in, uh, and then and therefore you know performance overall increases in the sport. Um, I suppose there can be an issue with depth sometimes, and I suppose if you fundamentally underinvest in a sport, it kind of makes sense that you're going to have fewer top performers. So, how has cycling changed since Van Vleuten first came in? Yeah, it's night and day really from from when she first started fifteen odd years ago, um, and it all has changed for the better. Obviously, we've got much more money in the sport now, um, so the investments have come in and the sponsors. We've got the TV coverage, which is vitally important, and it's really the first step because tv brings money but most crucially it brings audiences and with audiences you've got you know your cycle of sponsors wanting to invest more and then that brings more so we've got um we're on a real upward spiral in terms of money coming in and tv broadcast which is fantastic and it means we can see these women racing and yes there's still work to be done um but we're really going in the right direction um and development teams as i mentioned earlier so investing in the depth as you mentioned um riders coming through younger being supported through their development which is really really good um and not having to work like a second job and we found out at the end of september um from a survey conducted by the cyclist alliance um conducted with the women's peloton that 25% of riders receive no salary or income still and outside the women's world tour um, more than 70% of the riders earn less than €10,000 a year. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, so we're, we're sort of, we're on this upward trend, um, but it's still, you know, we're still away, away, really. The t- the Tour de France fan um, of X-Swift is the marquee event that's really, really doing a great deal of, of good for the sport. And it's bringing in, um, yeah, an incredible amount of interest, which is brilliant. Yeah, and we, we saw um, Eurosport announce record uh, viewing figures as well. Uh, good job you mentioned Avec Swift. They'll, they'll like that, won't they? Um, I, I mentioned depth as well. Uh, it kind of leads us on to rivalries because obviously she hasn't won everything. Um, I know you mentioned Eddie Merckx being the cannibal. Another play, re, uh, rider with a nickname of the cannibals, Mariana Voss, who we mentioned as well. I mean, what, what are the, the rivalries she's had over the years? I guess... Her main rivalry that we probably think of, although it wasn't it wasn't particularly and there was no animosity there as such, but her countrywoman Anna, Anna van der Breken um, was the other key rider who's who's really um, made a huge impact on the sport 
during the same period. She actually started just after Anamik, I think, and and retired before, um, which just again goes to show the longevity of Anamik von Vluten. Um, but yeah, so Anna van der Breken was a very similar rider, actually. So they, they faced off at a lot of um, big races, one-day races, classics, and um, and longer races as well at, at the Giro, um, Rosa and that kind of thing. So yeah, they, they had some really good battles over the years, um, but also rode together for the national team and between them won several world championships, uh, which, you know, just it goes to show again the the depth they have in the Netherlands. Um, it's quite incredible. And Anna van der Breken kind of was Demi Vollering's precursor at SD Works. So Demi Vollering has now come through under the tutelage of, of Anna van der Breken in the team car. Um, so she's kind of stepped into that role of, of going up against um, Anna Meek in the past couple of seasons. Uh, we'll hold on to that SD Works thought. We're going to talk a little bit more about them in a mo. Uh, you're listening to On Your Bike. Up next, what next for the women's peloton? And could Van Vleuten's exit mean we're looking at one team taking over the sport? Katie, you touched on this on our episode, looking at this rumoured merger between Jumbo Visma and Sudal Quickstep on whether we could end up with a, a super team. Uh, I compared it to the the Super Bowl lineup uh, of 2022 with uh, M&M and Mary J. Blige and all the rest of them. Um, Van Vleuten has been one of the few riders to kind of break this um, domination in women's cycling in taking on SD Works, isn't she? Yeah, I mean... SD Works have really only come about as this kind of super team in the past couple of years. And it's really only this season where they've started to sweep the board and it started to look a little bit worrying for the future of, of or the near future, at least with the women's peloton. Last season, the balance was kind of quite, um, it was quite well balanced, I'd say. Maybe the balance tips still in Annemiek von Vleuten's favour in the sense that she won all three Grand Tours, although arguably the Vuelta couldn't really be called a Grand Tour last season it definitely stepped up this season and she won it um so yeah she was there providing this foil to SD Works and kind of ensuring that it wasn't just all about them um well a little bit worrying a little bit concerning that without her there might be this this kind of gap um or this or the, the scales maybe are tipped um a little bit more towards SD Works yeah, so I guess I wait and see as far as the next season goes. But on that, who is ready to fill her cycling shoes uh, and, and therefore take on SD Works? So I guess you can look at it from a few different levels. Uh, Movistar as a team have got an amazing rider in Leanna Lippert who kind of has been in training perhaps or in in shadowing Van Floyden for the past couple of seasons to become this GC leader. Um, she's an excellent all-round rider and she's had a few great wins herself. She won a stage of this year's Tour de France fan. coming up on the inside. Liana Lippert trying to find a way through. It's a stage victory for Movistar and Liana Lippert. The victory that we have been waiting for. She's a brilliant rider, German champion, um, still very young, but with a great racing brain and real attacking style and obviously learning from her Annemiek over the past couple of seasons has to have done her the world of good so from Movistar have have Leanna Lippert to come through 
um, as for future stars, we've got loads. Um, there's loads of riders who are really coming into their own, and it's just going to show how how the women's peloton's really um, expanding with its strength and depth. And there are lots and lots of young riders who, in a few years' time, I think you know we're looking at at lots of possibilities for maybe people who could challenge like Gaia Riolini, um, who went toe to toe with Van Floten at this at this year's Vuelta. Um and she rides for Little Trek, who are probably the second biggest team. Um and they will be hoping to find an answer to SD Works. Uh so she's a big one to look out for. But in terms of this kind of super team domination, that there is still this concern that SD Works do have the best of everything. They've got the like I alluded to it in the last um, in the last pod that we did about super teams, they've got the best time trialist, the best GC rider, the best sprinter, um, the best classics rider, and having all that in one team is is in a smaller peloton. You know, the the men's peloton is bigger and there are more races, so you just simply can't have one rider going around and winning everything. But because the women's world tour is that much smaller. Um, it is possible to sort of have the, these these big teams kind of having their best riders at almost every race. And that isn't good for the sport. Tegen Van Vleuten nu solo. Ze komt in een rijtje met Belgen die twee jaar na elkaar hebben gewonnen. Gijsels, Buissen, Le Mans, Bonen, De Volder en Kopecky. Chapeau, Lotte. I do wonder, you mentioned uh, Anna van der Bregen getting in the team car now as a, as a, as a director sportive and you know helping out Demi Vollering. I wonder if um, we might see Van Vleuten do something with, with Movistar and help out Leanna Lipper. I don't know, has she mentioned anything about getting involved post-career or, or is it just going to you know have a beer and have a chill? <laughs> no, no, I haven't heard anything yet. Um, she is actually riding the Gravel World Championships, uh, so it wasn't her last hurrah. Um, she's, but she did only just announce that and has ensured that it is just for fun um, which probably means she's going to go out and win it by 10 minutes but anyway no she hasn't mentioned anything really about um, start becoming a staff member or a DS but I think everyone would love to keep her around in the sport and I'm sure that she loves cycling so much that you know it would be a, a, the logical next step for her really and I'd love to see her carrying on um, in the sport yeah well well yeah and that kind of leads us quite neatly on to whether you know, how much worse off is cycling as far as her being on the road? How, how worse, is it, worse off is it without her? I think it's purely a timing factor uh, in terms of her leaving just when we need her the most. It's kind of this, that kind of yin and yang situation with SD Works and, and her kind of balancing each other out. It has happened, her retirement has happened at a, arguably quite a bad time um, in the sense that we don't have that yin to the yang anymore. Um, so it really is going to be down to the likes of Little Trek and Canyon Shram to to step up and and hopefully, you know, provide a, a fight <laughs> for for this um, more balanced racing, I guess. But uh, yeah, in terms of her actual character and and her fighting style, yes, of course, we're gonna miss her. Oh, go on then. And, and you mentioned goats. You know, without me going full weird dweebs on Twitter or X, formerly known as Twitter, going on about Ronaldo and Cristiano Ronaldo and, and, and Lionel Messi and who's the goat there. All right, wh- where where do we rank? Can you tell, can you tell that I really hate this term? <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, I can. Where, where would we kind of 
how would you sum up her overall impact and where would you place her then looking at cycling's greats? I think I'm, I'm probably similar to you, Sunny, and I'm not, I don't love the term because it's really hard to rank people's achievements. And it is all relative, obviously, especially when the sport's evolving as quickly as women's cycling is in terms of um, the, the strength and depth and that sort of thing. But uh, Mariana Voss is, is possibly more widely known as the GOAT, if you like, um, in the modern era, purely because of her cross-disciplinary um, achievements. But if you're looking at just pure road achievements arguably perhaps she might be up there and um, because she has won time trial world championships road world championships she's won all the grand tours in one year um and she's won the tour de france that she won the first tour de france fam um in its new form um so that is you know that's well it's all pretty significant but for me personally in terms of pushing women's cycling to new levels she's more she's a pioneer um of what can be done um she's an inspiration to everyone around you know whether they were in her team um in different teams to young girls looking on who could finally watch women cycling on tv and go wow i want to be like her um so her that is perhaps a greater legacy than where she stands on any kind of all-time ranking there you go you have managed to uh negotiate getting out from uh being atted by all the the fanboys and fangirls <laughs> going goats for one or the other the the Voss goaters and the Van Vleuten goaters are gonna are gonna leave you alone uh, and we've pretty much come to the, the end of our time here on your bike but Katie um before we say goodbye uh we've only really scratched the surface you've written uh, even more uh, on rightbikerepeat.com haven't you yes I wrote a piece on Anamique last week on rightbikerepeat.com about her legacy and about her style as a person, really. Um, and, and yes, we've covered the training side of things here today, but also how she was just a really lovely person off the bike and how that balance um, between her kind of tenacious attitude as a racer um, combined with her just general loveliness and inspiring, smiley attitude. She, she always had time for fans she really respected the staff at the teams that she worked with and um, and just how that achieving that that balance is just inspirational on, on many levels, really. So, yeah, head across to the website and check it out. Um, and, yeah, just it was nice to sort of reflect back on what's been just an amazing career, really. Uh, have you got any, you know, nice anime? Van Vleuten memories of her being nice? You know, is there anything that kind of stands out? Have you heard any stories? Yeah, she actually gave world championship rainbow jerseys to all the staff at Movistar um, before her last race day. And it was just so lovely because it was all the staff, you know, mechanic from mechanics to chefs to nutritionists, soigneurs, and each of them had a little message written from her to the individual staff member. And it just showed how, you know, she appreciated every single one of them and, and the part that they played in, in her journey. And obviously she's seen staff from the different teams she's been involved with and I think they all feel the same about her as she does about them just a, a mutual respect which proves just what a you know what a decent person she is really well you've summed it up perfectly and it's just about time Katie for us to say goodbye I've been Sandy Rajabadula and I've been Katie Madrick and this has been On Your Bike we shall return lots more to talk about from the world of cycling coming your way very soon
On Your Bike is a Sandpod production.